Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Dr. Ron here at Dr. Ron Unfiltered, Uncensored. Uh, thank you for uh, listening. Today we have the extreme pleasure and with an attitude of gratitude, we're going to welcome at um, uh, 4 o'clock Dr. Bennett Amalu. Dr. Amalu is going to be calling into the program, and we will have a discussion on concussions from the concussion doctor. We'll be joined by our normal co-host, Dr. Jerry Smith, and Dr. Dan. Uh, Dr. Dan is a medical doctor, retired. Dr. Jerry Smith is a natural healer who also uh, has an expertise in concussions. And we will also be joined by Mr. Frank Carroll, who has been a football coach from uh, the CYO right up to the Pro League, uh, to discuss uh concussions with Dr. Amalu. As soon as our co-hosts call in, we will just give you a background on Dr. Amalu so that when he does call in, we will uh, have saved some time and uh, just so he can give us uh, the value of his expertise. And I just want to thank everyone uh, for a great uh, show last week. Uh, we had uh, we talked about the flu. Uh, we talked about cholesterol. We talked about electromagnetic fields. And uh, we're really happy about uh, what, uh, what, uh, what happened during that program. So, ladies and gentlemen, uh, while we're waiting for Dr. Jerry and Dr. Dan to get on board, let me just tell you something I got a little bit uh, about Dr. Amalu. Dr. Amalu was born in 1968. He is a Nigerian-American physician, a forensic pathologist, a neuropathologist, and he was the one who first discovered and published findings of chronic traumatic encephalopathy, known as CTE, in American football players. And he did this while he worked at Allegheny County Coroner's Office in Pittsburgh. He later became the chief medical examiner for San Joaquin County in California, and is a professor at the University of California, Davis, in the Department of Medical Pathology and Laboratory Medicine. Dr. Amalo was born in Nigeria, as we said, and his name translates into he who knows speak. He had a very interesting career in Nigeria before coming to America, he attended medical school at age 16 at the University of Nigeria. He, after graduating with a Bachelor of Medicine and a Bachelor of Surgery in June of 1990, he completed his internship, followed by three years of service work, doctoring in the mountains, uh, mountainous city of Jos. He became disillusioned with Nigeria after the presidential candidate, Abiola failed to win the Nigerian presidency during an inconclusive election in 1993. He looked for scholarships in the United States and first came to Seattle, Washington in 1994. There he completed an epidemiology fellowship at the University of Washington. And in 1995, he left Seattle for New York City where he joined Columbia University's Harlem Hospital Center for a residency training in anatomic and clinical pathology. After his residency, he trained as a forensic pathologist, 
under the noted forensic pathologist and consultant, Dr. Cyril Weck, in, Al- in the Allegheny County Coroner's Office in Pittsburgh. There he became interested in neuropathology. Dr. Amalo holds eight advanced degrees and board certifications. Incredible, ladies and gentlemen. Later receiving fellowships in pathology and neuropathology through the University of Pittsburgh in the year 2000 and 2002, respectively. A Master of Public Health in Epidemiology in 2004 from the University of Pittsburgh Graduate School of Public Health and a Master of Business Administration and MBA from Tepper. Uh, excuse me, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, from Tepper School of Business at Carnegie Mellon University. Dr. O'Malley served as Chief Medical Examiner at San Joaquin Hospital uh, from 2007 until he resigned in 2017. Dr. O'Malley is noted and became famous because of his autopsy of the former Pittsburgh Steelers player Mike Webster in 2002, which led to the reemergence of awareness of a neurological condition uh, called chronic chronic traumatic encephalopathy, uh, which had been previously described in boxers and other professional athletes. Although Mike Webster's brain looked normal at autopsy, Dr. Omalo conducted independent and self-financed tissue analysis. He suspected Webster suffered from dementia pugilistica, that is, dementia induced by repeated blows to the head, a condition found previously in boxers. He used specialized staining, and he found large accumulations of tau protein in Webster's brain affecting his mood, emotions, executive functions, similar to the way clumps of beta amyloid protein contribute to uh, Alzheimer's disease. And uh, he went on to publish uh, you know, he, uh, professional articles, He uh, partnered with Julian Bales, a neurosurgeon and concussion researcher at West uh, Virginia University School of Medicine. Uh, In November of 2006, he published a second neurosurgery paper based on findings in the brain of a National Football League player, Terry Long, who suffered from depression and committed suicide in 2005. Dr. Mallow also found evidence of CTE in the brains of retired NFL player, Justin uh, Streslak, uh, who died at 36 years of age, and Andre Waters, who died at age 44, and Tom McHale, who died at age 45. Uh, his findings were disputed by the National Football League for quite some time. Uh, in fact, it wasn't until seven years after Dr. Amalo's discovery uh, that his research was considered uh, uh, Seriously, and um, as, however, as late as 2013 at the annual meeting of the American Academy of Clinical Neuropsychology, that included a debate uh, between two sports concussion experts regarding the validity of CTE. And finally, in March of 2016, the NFL Senior Vice President for Health and Safety, Jeff Miller, testified before Congress that the National Football League now believe that there was a link between football and CTE. Dr. Amalo um, has two books 
the latest one is re- I really hardly re- heartily recommend. It's called Truth Doesn't Have a Side, My Alarming Discovery About the Danger of Contact Sports. That was published in August of uh, 2017 by Harper Collins. He previously wrote a book titled Play Hard, Die Young, Football, Dementia, Depression, and Death. That was published in 2008. So uh, we will see if our guests are calling in. I see Dr. Dan and I see Frank Carroll. Uh, we're going to bring them onto the show. We're waiting for Dr. Jerry. And then at uh, on the hour when Dr. Amalu calls in, we will uh, ask him uh, to just tell us about concussions and maybe we can discuss uh, some of his recent uh, findings, how to diagnose this condition during life. Uh, by by, uh, uh, so he you know he has already done this in one one patient and. Uh, uh, his feelings about contact sports, concussion, uh, helmets, and so forth. So uh, before we go further, let's just say hello to number one, Dr. Dan. Good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning, Dr. Ron. I think I'm okay. I woke up this morning. It's a good start, right? Absolutely. You cheated Absolutely. death for another and night. Absolutely, and we're ready friend. to go. Okay, we're and Frank, are you okay? We got Frank um, Carroll on the phone. I believe the same as Dr. Dan. As long as the grass is under me instead of over me, I'm a happy man. <laughs> <laughs> well, i just uh, just been talking about Dr. Amalu's uh, history. Uh, he uh, He's 49 years of age and really has started uh, a lot of discussion about uh, uh, concussions in sports, especially football. And uh, we're just waiting for him to call in so we can, he can tell us about it. And there's been some new things I'm sure he's aware of, uh, especially a study out of the University of Greece uh, stating that uh, cervical instability as a result of CTE uh, can make a difference in the oxygen going to the brain. And maybe this is also uh, causing some problems. Not a lot of people are talking about uh the uh, cervical injury uh, that, that can occur from uh, repeated blows to the head. And it's interesting, uh, Dr. Stern has written an article stating that uh, in one year, children 9 to 12 sustain an average of 300 head impacts from just one football season. So this number has to be higher in older players. And uh, Dr. Stern says, and while helmets do a good job of reducing the risk of skull fractures, he feels they don't protect the brain from the st- sudden movement that occurs when the head is hit. And so we'd like to uh, get Dr. Amalu's uh, take on this also. So uh, we just wait for him to call in. In the meantime, ladies and gentlemen, uh, uh, we, when by the time you hear this show, uh, you, we will not be taking any calls. Uh, so as you uh, call in, uh, just please listen to Dr. Amalu and... Uh, the following week, we will take calls about this episode and, and uh, try and uh, give you some uh, good good answers. Uh, Dr. Dan, uh, uh, are you ready for Dr. Amalu? Absolutely. I have watched Concussion about five times, okay. and uh, I've uh, reviewed his uh, history on the Internet the best I could. I'm still waiting to receive my book, Dr. Ron. I have so yours, I and I have Frank's. 
<laughs> Frank, I got Frank. I'm going to go to the library today. I mean, to the library, to the post office today. I'll put them both in the mail. You should have them in in a month. Uh, with the snail mail, snail mail, snail mail here in Florida in the winter, you know, is pretty bad. Yep. What are you so, going to? What are you going to? I promise you that today they will be taken to the post office after we finish this uh, podcast. Thanks, and don't forget, I need more cards because I've been giving a lot of cards out, and people really want to listen to the program. They're really interested in it. Really tremendous. And Dr. Dan, you should know that Frank uh, Carroll, uh, our, our call-in expert, has a show on uh, – yeah, he has a show every night of the week, but the one that I really am interested in is the one he, he does on Saturday evening called Fighting Words. And it was because of him that we started Dr. Ron Unfiltered, Uncensored. Actually, Dr. Amalo will be uh, episode 241. So uh, Frank got Great. started, oh. and I really thank him. What station are, are you on that I could get you here in Florida? Uh, um, Frank's Block on Block Talk Radio mm-hmm. also, but he'll tell yeah. you. Okay, okay, gotcha. Frank, tell, yeah. tell Dr. Dan and our audience how you, they can reach your show's Fighting Words. Yeah, we're on the Block Talk Radio. It's up under okay. Fighting Words, F-I-G-H-T-N-W-O-R-D-S. Not fighting, but fight in. Fighting uh-huh. Words. Okay. Fighting words, yes. We do a uh, last. In fact, last night we had uh, Howard Eskin on from Philadelphia. Sam uh, Cachetti, the uh, the head writer for the uh, Philadelphia Inquirer, and uh, oh, John yeah. Lynch, uh, the former uh, Bucks player, who's now the uh, president and general manager of a major football team on the West Coast. Uh, they were our three uh, three guests last night, along with. Uh, uh, Don Henderson, who was, uh, used to be vice president of CBS Sports before he retired. And before that, he was the WCAU sports director, uh, DAF sports director, and uh, 40, uh, the uh, old channel, the 47th sports director. Um, mm-hmm. each, uh, each night of the week, we have a, a different program. Um, Monday nights, we have uh, a heavy metal program. Uh, that uh, uh, San Clemente Punk. Uh, Tuesday, we have a return to the uh, 50s and 60s music with uh, um, All Hail Hair. Uh, they specialize in, in bands of the 50s and 60s and uh, talking to uh, members of, uh, of the groups that were out there. Then Wednesday is an all-sports show. Okay. Yep. Uh, and then Thursday nights, is uh, another talk show, and that, that's uh, pretty much uh, concerned with uh, politics. Friday night is, is a show that's uh, a preempt for the uh, boxing show. It's a small boxing show. And then uh, Saturday night we have uh, the world-renowned boxing historian, uh, Dr. Chris Panarella. Uh, oh, yeah. Along with, mm-hmm. uh, along with uh, uh Ty Parquet and Zito uh, Marquette ties with uh, the Philadelphia Daily News. Zito's with the uh, Atlanta Constitution. And we also mm-hmm. have, from the Atlanta Constitution, we have uh, Roger Hendler, the uh, sports director. So, Sounds fantastic. Yeah, he he does a great job, and you would enjoy it also the Thursday night show because you're from Philly originally, and you would uh, you recognize a lot 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 of the people he has on there. 
spent most of my life in Philly, and uh, I know a lot of those people, and uh, I've met some of them, and they're fantastic. Philadelphia's still a great place, except I don't like the weather <laughs> yeah. in the winter. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I'll tell you how smart there, Mike is. He, he left there eons before you and I did, so he was he was the smarter of the group. Oh, you're you're not in Philly anymore, Frank? No, I'm in Sarasota. Oh, okay. oh! I've been down in Sarasota for thirty years. Fantastic! So you left yeah. before we did. Okay. Yes, sir. All right. He he realized what was happening uh, before we did, but uh, you know, of nice course, area. he's a lot smarter, and he did a lot of traveling, and uh, he he used to. Uh, Invite me to speak, which I really, really appreciated when he was vice president of Abbott, and uh, we had some good, good, good uh, meetings together. Mm-hmm. Good All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, uh, I'm going to uh, turn the show over to Dr. Dan and uh, Frank. I'm going to uh, go here and I'm going to give Dr. Amalu's uh, cell phone a call and see if uh, he actually is going to. Uh, be on our program today. So I will be back. Dr. Dan and Frank, I'm going to turn it over to you. Made the, uh, I was always able to let the higher end of the uh, of scale of uh, education get the higher numbers uh, because I made the bell curve because I played football too much. Yeah. Dr. Dan uh, and, I, Dr. Dan and Frank, uh, I don't want to waste Dr. Amalu's time. He's uh, gracious hey. enough to uh, come on. So Dr. Amalu, uh, on the phone is myself, Dr. Ron, Dr. Dan, and Frank, and uh, we want to welcome you to our uh, podcast, and uh, we were anxiously awaiting to hear about concussion, especially as regards uh, uh, young children and repeated injuries. Frank Carroll has been coaching football from CYO right up to the pros, and uh, we're just interested to, to hear your uh, comments and what you've learned since uh, that, that infamous uh, pathology on Mike Webster. Well, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be with you this morning. You know, my position has has always uh, not been popular. Uh, my position has always been that football is a, is a violent sport. And you cannot make football safe as we play it today, we should just forget about that. It's like making boxing safe. There's no way you can make boxing safe. Now, can you make it safer? Possibly. But making it safer does not mean it's safe. It's inherently dangerous. And like we have always done in the modern society... Whenever we have something that is potentially dangerous, we protect our children from it. We, at some point, we discovered that cigarette smoking was potentially dangerous. We protected children from it. We discovered at some point that alcohol could be potentially dangerous and can damage your brain. Uh, we protect our children from alcohol, same as marijuana, same as other types of dangerous sports, skydiving, deep sea diving. So why should football and other potentially dangerous sports like boxing, ice hockey, mixed martial arts, rugby be excluded? And, you know, this position was taken 
1957, 11 years before I was born, by the American Academy of Pediatrics. And they published a paper in the Pennsylvania Medical Society Journal in 1957 that no child under the age of 12 should play football, boxing, or wrestling, that these games damaged the developmental potential of a child. And the same American Academy of Pediatrics in 2011 published another paper encouraging doctors to, to advise parents and their children to move away from the contact sports whereby blows to the head are inherent to the play. And every parent out there needs to know. All it takes to damage your child's brain could be just one season of football, and it's permanent. All it could take to damage your child's brain it could just be one concussion. In one, just one game of football, if your child plays, your child's head could be exposed to violent blows about 50, 40 to 60 times in just one game. And a human brain in 60 to 80% water does not have any reasonable capacity to heal or regenerate itself. So, so these are very difficult truths. That is why my book is Truth Doesn't Have a Side. But we shall not deny the truth because of its difficulty or its inconvenience, <clears throat> no matter how challenging it may be. Because as a Christian, the truth will set you free. If you develop your own alternative truths and deny the truth, you will always you can only be wallowing in darkness. You can never find a real solution. So that has always been my position. It's not a very palatable position, but I love your child as much as I love my own son. What I wouldn't expose my own son to, I wouldn't advise any other person to expose his or her son to. Uh, these are the facts of 21st century science. I rest my position. <laughs> well, I, I, I like what you said, playing football with or without concussion results in brain damage. Do you still stand by that? Yes, yes. Uh, playing football with or without a documented concussion. The major underlying problem with a game like football is not the major concussions. It's the minor, seemingly innocuous blows to your head, the so-called subconcussive blows. So there was a paper published in 2014 by Dr. Talavaj at Purdue University. I think he was the first to show that. They looked at high school kids who did not suffer any concussion. And they monitored them three months, six months. They did some testings and actually found out that with or without a helmet, with or without a concussion, there is evidence of brain damage. And the unfortunate thing is that these types of brain damage are permanent. Permanent. Now, let me give you a shocker. There was yes. a paper that came out, it was published by Dr. Fazel, F-A-Z-E-L. And another one was by Dr. Sariaslan. Sariaslan. One was in 2016 and one was in 2014. They looked at 1.1 million children over 42 years. And the inclusion criterion was any child who has suffered at least a concussion, just one concussion, to other types of trauma. 60% of the children they looked at suffered 
a minimum of one concussion. And look at what they found. That when you suffer repeated blows to your head and concussions, you're more likely to die before the age of 42 through violent means. You're more likely to engage in criminal and violent behavior. You're less likely to attain higher levels of education. You're more likely to drop out of high school or college. And you're less likely to retain or be gainfully employed as an adult. You're more likely to be dependent on disability. You have about three to six times increased risk of suffering a psychiatric illness. Psychiatric illnesses like depression. You're about three to six times more likely to commit suicide. You're about three to six times more likely to suffer from some type of psychiatric illness and be on a prescribed psychiatric medication. Mm. You're much, much more likely to engage in certain types of behavior we call disinhibition. And these types of behavior include unnecessary risk-taking like alcohol abuse, drug abuse. But these are people who have not been diagnosed with CT because I think that's another mistake we as a society are beginning to make. We're making it all about CTE. No. CTE is only one type of disease that belongs to the traumatic encephalopathy syndromes. Just one. So can your child suffer brain damage without having CTE? Yes. Well, okay, there are so many types. Concussion, by the time your child suffers a concussion, your child has suffered brain damage. And there is no clinical testing that will make any difference. There is no psychological testing that will make any difference. The damage has been done, and the damage is permanent. Just last week, I ran into a kid who suffered a concussion playing football. And six months later, he has not been able to go back to school. And these are, these are facts. These are, I'm not making these yeah. things up. These are facts, undeniable facts. And but before for some you, reason, uh, I'm noticing we continue to deny these facts. Why? I don't know. Well, Dr. Stern also, there's a, he published an article on neurology in, in January. He said... Uh, Children aged 9 to 12 in an average year that play football sustain an average of 300 head impacts. And uh, he, he says something I think that, that you might agree with, that while hummus do a good job of reducing the risk of skull fractures, they don't protect the brain from the sudden movement that occurs when the head is hit. Uh, you agree with that? Yes, yes. In fact, the helmet increases the risk of your child suffering brain damage. Ah. The only thing a helmet does for you is to prevent you from dying on the field by suffering catastrophic injuries like fractures of the skull, gashing or gaping lacerations of your face, and then subdural hemorrhages. But a helmet increases the size of your head, increases the weight of your head. Meanwhile, the size of your brain remains constant. And because you're wearing a helmet, you're more likely to weaponize your head because you're not feeling any pain. So it increases the risk of hitting your head, and it increases the momentum of each and every impact, increasing the amounts of energy that reach the brain. 
So yes, I totally agree with you. Helmets will only prevent you from <laughs> dropping dead on the football field. But yet, wow. parents continue to believe that if I buy uh, the most expensive helmet for my child, that is going to protect my child. That is not true. Dr. Amalo, uh, in uh, last year you were interviewed by a friend of mine, Dr. Michael Della Vecchia from the Pennsylvania Medical Society. And uh, yes. during the that published uh, Pennsylvania Medical Society bulletin, something was in there that I just, uh, to me, just, just doesn't make any sense. The commissioner, uh, state athletic commissioner, uh, told Dr. Omal, uh, told uh, Dr. Delavecchia, he believes that susceptibility to knockout is more genetic related. How do you respond to something uh, like that? Uh, see, see, you know, I tell people that. Just like in every other field, there are good cops and bad cops. There are good doctors and bad doctors. <laughs> yes. And there are doctors whose opinions, conclusions are influenced by the group they belong to or by their means of livelihood. That is, that is a very well-established trend. A doctor who works for the NFL is more likely to protect football. A doctor who works for the Boxing Association is more likely to to make statements that boxing is not harmful. Okay? Now, a blow to your head is dangerous. Hippocrates was the first to say that. There is nothing like a safe blow to the human head. So whenever you suffer a punch, a violent punch on your head, you suffer brain injury, acceleration, deceleration. The most significant factor in brain damage is blunt force trauma, forces, the amounts of forces. Okay? Now, could there be a variation of responses to the brain damage? Yes, it's multifactorial. Like now, some papers are showing that girls are more likely, are less likely to recover quickly from concussion than boys. Okay? Uh-huh. Um, so um, whether you have a genetic proclivity or not, a punch is a punch. A violent blow is a violent blow. An acceleration, deceleration injury is an, an injury. The way you manifest the injury, it's, mm, it's slightly very, but does not make any difference. Did that answer your question? It does, it does, and uh, it, it, it's very right to the point, which I really love. And before I add, add, turn this over to Frank a little bit, if you don't mind, Dr. Amalo, uh, you, you mentioned in your book something that I have been living by, actually, confirmational intelligence, yes, and uh, the New Yorker actually had, they call it confirmational bias. Could you just yes. tell our listeners about this? Because I, I think you're right on the money. Okay, what what happened was, you know, over the years, I was trying to understand why I was treated the way I was treated when I, after the Mike Webster autopsy and when I reported my findings. I was treated in a very deplorable manner, not even by the NFL, by my fellow doctors, by my own fellow doctors, including the National Institute of Health. Okay? Now, I'm a foreigner. I knew nothing about football. Honestly, I didn't. I, I was a total buffoon, ignoramus of football. So I was trying to understand why me, 
And as the years went by, I, I was observing and studying the American society very critically. And I began to notice a trend that in, in this society, without us even being aware of it, that the way you think, your mentality, your intelligence, the way you perceive your environment, the way you interpret your environment, without you knowing it, without you even being aware of it, are controlled by society, by the norms, traditions, cultures, and expectations of society without you even being aware of it. And now, for whatever reason, once you have that, your, the cast of your mind made, and objective evidence is provided to you by anybody in whatever form, you're more likely to reject that objective evidence, to deny it, and even ridicule it. But if that objective evidence persists, you become emotional and tribal, almost to the point of irrationality, to simply conform. So it's, it's almost the, the power of habit without you even being aware of it. You're almost now a zombie of society. Huh. And that is why, if you notice, a foreigner like myself, who knew nothing about football. Okay, Mike Webster had gone to the best universities in America, had seen the best doctors in America. And when I mean it, I mean the very best of best. And none of them saw this disease I saw. And okay, a foreigner like myself, who was not under the influence of the conformational embrace or infatuation with football in America, I was objective. I've been told that if I had grown up in this country watching football, I wouldn't have touched my Webster's body. Wow. I would have been so much in awe of his body that I would have left him alone. So I saw what I saw. I reported it. American physicians in those first five years, they were very difficult years for me. They called me all types of names. Some even suggested I was practicing voodoo, voodoo medicine from Africa. And this is what I've said to corporations. I've traveled around the world talking to corporate leaders. How much are you holding down your industry by conformational thinking? Because it's stifling. It, it stifles creativity and originality. Incredible. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we're speaking with Dr. Bennett Amalu, a world-famous physician who uh, has a book out that I, we're going to recommend that you buy. It's called Truth Doesn't Have a Side, uh, based on science, and he's a very faithful man, and he'll talk more about that later. But there's also an article that in the New Yorker, which I don't usually read, but it, it it backs up just what Dr. Amalo just said. It's called Why Facts Don't Change Our Mind because of this confirmational intelligence that he just explained to us. So uh, thank you. Thank you for that, Dr. Amalo. Uh, Dr. Amalo, I have you. Frank Carroll on the phone, and he, uh, he's he been a coach his whole life uh, and involved in, in medicine also. So, Frank, do you have any, any questions for Dr. Amalo? Yeah, I just wanted to know what his thoughts are on the concussion um set up they they set out now uh if you go back and take a look at uh, the protocols that they're putting in 
uh, they're not enough for for when you start talking about uh, a seven to to fourteen year old child. Uh, even when you get up into, uh, I've coached the high school, I've coached football at college level, and I've coached in pros. Um, there are times I mean, he's correct that the helmets uh, are not um, they're not used for anything more than headbutting, which is now illegal. But uh, you know, once it's done, it's done. So I'd like to know what his thoughts are on the uh, the protocol now for when you can put a player back on the field after. Concussion. Okay, okay. Now, like like I had said earlier, <clears throat> the concussion protocols do not cure your concussion. If I, all the concussion protocol does is to prevent you from suffering the so-called second impact syndrome. If you suffer a concussion and you go back to play and you receive another concussion, you could drop dead. Okay, that is what the concussion protocol does to prevent you from dying on the field. Once you've suffered a concussion, the injury has been done. It's done, and it's it's permanent. We don't have any cure. As I'm speaking to you today, there is no cure, and the FDA will confirm that. In fact, the FDA informed impact that they should stop saying that they, you can make a diagnosis of concussion with an impact test. The FDA said, no, that is not true. So if you've suffered a concussion, you take impact testing five, ten times. It does not make any difference. In fact, it actually causes more injury to your brain. And that is why my position has always been, you know what? Football is potentially dangerous. There are so many potentially dangerous activities in our lives, even car racing, you know, skydiving. It should be left for adults who have reached the age of consent to decide to do whatever they want to do with their lives, as long as it does not pose a danger to the life of another person. But not for children. Any child under the age of 18 should not play football as we play it today. Because you cannot make it safe. It's like telling me you can make fire safe. Yes, a cigarette lighter, through a cigarette lighter, you've made fire safer. But it still does not make a cigarette lighter safe. You wouldn't give your one-year-old a cigarette lighter. So such principle or way of thinking applies to football. It is not a game for children. Now, some people have told me, oh, but we've we've always played it. (laughs) As a society, we evolve. We change. And as we evolve and change, we become more intelligent. And as we become more intelligent, we give up the less intelligent ways of the past. In fact, it's even in the Bible, first letter of John, chapter 1 that you should gladly give up the darkness of the past and embrace the light of the future. It's also in the Bible, letter of Paul to the Ephesians, chapter 6, that you should gladly give up. No, either chapter 4 or 6, I'm confusing it now. should gladly give up the old self and embrace the new self in the righteousness and holiness of the truth. And science tells us the same thing. You must change. So you cannot justify a handful of dangerous activity by the confirmations, confirmations to the past. 
Okay, if if that is the way we live our lives, then that means a black man like me today shall not be talking to you on the radio because in the past they, we did not allow or we did not allow black people to do certain things just because we were black. But we are a smarter society today. We've changed that. There was a time women couldn't own property. Even as we as a society, we're going through a very a very important change in our lives today. That of sexual mm-hmm. abuse. Men in positions of power just exploiting women sexually. We need to change that. We are better people. It's a, the world is becoming more competitive. What is now defining who you are as a human being is your intelligence. Bill Gates said that. So why should we be exposing our children intentionally to an activity that robs them of their intelligence to make them less competitive in the global economy? Do we want Chinese children to be smarter than our children? Because they don't play football. They don't play all these potentially harmful games. And if you notice, if you notice, there's a segment of our society that is at greatest risk. 75% 75% of NFL players are blacks. Yeah. Meanwhile, blacks are about 10 to 12% of the population. Then you, you talk, you've not talked about the number of black children in, in inner city high schools who are playing football. And then later, when you see some black people engaging in violent behavior, nobody will stop to ask, could his exposure to traumatic brain injury as a child have contributed to his violent tendencies? Because as a forensic pathologist, we found that about 60 to 80% of repeat violent offenders in America have had a history of traumatic brain injury as a child. Mm. Wow. That's really powerful. I mean, uh, that's, that's uh, when, you, when you consider the uh, head injuries, the, uh, the heavy metal exposure, the, uh, and everything else we talked about, about on on our podcast, it, it really does affect our children and affects the rest of society. It does. Very powerful. Very powerful. Wow, that that was a little bit depressing, Doctor Amalu. Uh, doc- <laughs> <laughs> and I and I don't get depressed. <laughs> Doctor Dan. But yeah, these are very difficult. These are very difficult things. I admit, and I recognize that. Yeah, they are. They are heavy. They could be very heavy. They really are. I mean, it, it affects society and the future of this country. Yes. Yes. And I don't think no one's talking about it. No one is talking about it but you. <laughs> that is why I many mean, people don't like me. They see me as a troublemaker. But I shall continue to speak my truth. You know? I, I, I applaud <laughs> you for that because I know you're a man of faith. I saw you with Dr. With, uh, Raymond Arroyo and... Uh, yeah. I, I, I could see your eyes. You you are a truthful man of faith, and I, that's why I reached out to you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Dr. Dan, another a classmate of mine, for, we graduated together in 1965 from medical school. Wow. So wow. you can get you an idea ago. how. Before you were wow. born, Dr. Amalu. Yes, I was born 68. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Dan. And we have a great, great guest today. I mean, he's a man of faith. He, he uh, 
he he combines science with faith, and he he talks about his his upbringing with with uh, Saint Benedict, and he actually has right. a sim- similar path as as Clarence Thomas, and we'll talk about that another time. But Dr. Dan, uh, do you have anything for doc- for Dr. Amalu? Dr. Amalu, first of all, I want to thank you. It's an honor to oh, be thank able to you. see you. Believe me, what you have done and you are doing is amazing and everyone i have seen concussion at least five times really i'm i'm still waiting for my book to arrive from uh from uh uh, uh dr ryan he's he, he's going to send it to me i want to thank you for that and i thank saw you, you on the raymond arroyo and the 700 club with pat robertson yes you are that. Yes, amazing. That's, that's. <laughs> what you're doing is absolutely true and all these sports that are are uh, traumatic are are dangerous. I wanted to ask you: Are there any other um, parts of the body that you've investigated besides the brain, where where you can have injury that can show up years later, or is it strictly uh, the brain that you're sticking with at this point? Well, you know, my my expertise is the brain, so um, I cannot cross my line of um, competence to do other things. I'm not an expert in. However, there are other doctors who've published papers. Uh, uh, when you play these games, it also affects your hormonal um, levels because it affects the pituitary gland that controls huh? the hormones in your body. Okay. And also, um, orthopedic surgeons and musculoskeletal physicians have also stated that, especially in children, the children, their muscles and their joints and skeletal systems are not yet well developed. Okay. So when so you expose them injured. to the violent forces of football, it actually undermines their musculoskeletal development. Okay. So that is very well established that um, being exposed uh, in children while they are still developing and you expose their joints, their muscles, their bones to this very violent angular rotational acceleration, deceleration of their bodies, of their joints, that it could have long-term um, uh, adverse effects on their musculoskeletal functioning and um, development. Okay, but why I have a bad back from uh, playing quarterback years ago and being, uh, (laughs) I can remember being being tackled and hit so many times on my back. You Uh never know. Yes, yes, possible. Yes, but 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 the problem of the 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 distinction between the musculoskeletal system is that you could have musculoskeletal impairment and still live a reasonably good life. And even mm-hmm. as you, you could excel in whatever you do if your brain is intact. Mm-hmm. The problem is that the brain is what defines who you are, is what defines your humanity, is your soul, is your spirit, is your thinking, is your mind, is everything. It's what mm-hmm. makes you, what differentiates you from an animal. Okay. Right. So it's about the most precious asset you have in your being. So why would you then, that most valuable thing in your life, why would you intentionally expose it to the risk of damage? It does not make Mm -hmm. sense to me. Can somebody explain that to me? 
No, I have all my grandchildren that are under 18. They're not allowed to play football. I hope all parents will be like you, but if you go down south, some people have called me crazy <laughs> when they hear Oh, me. you're not crazy. You're, you're for real. This is real. <laughs> you know, some people have attacked me that I should go back to the jungle where I came from. Uh, oh, God. That's awful. But it's all part of that conformational intelligence. Mm-hmm. And when you when you confront people with objective evidence, they become emotional and they become tribal. Mm-hmm. And you could even say some of that. Like remember in Alabama recently, the senator, I don't follow politics closely, a senator that had been accused of possibly molesting a 14-year-old girl. And no. a Christian stood up said, oh, it does not matter. After all, Virgin Mary was about 14 when she conceived Christ. Mm-hmm. So right. you see what conformational intelligence can do. <laughs> wow, that's a great example. Because whoever said that obviously was supporting that senator. And then objective wow. evidence, some allegation is brought up. And he, at that moment, because of his conformational thinking, is oblivious of any objectivity. And is not justifying a wrong with my Christian faith. Mm-hmm. I laughed so hard when I heard that. Okay, so so football today in America is almost like a religion. It's almost, in fact, like it said in the movie Concussion. Football now owns the day of the week, a day that used to be owned by the church. Some days mm-hmm. now, I go to church. Everybody's rushing out to finish before the football game starts. <laughs> 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 Even the priest will be apologizing if he stays one minute longer. <laughs> In fact, I'm from I'm from Philadelphia. Ron and I went to school together, graduated together, and I'm a big Philadelphia Eagles fan. I do, <laughs> I do like I love football. I like it. It's my favorite sport. It is dangerous, but I already put her going to mass on Saturday afternoon, so I already. <laughs> I put it to be recorded on, on my on my television so I don't miss the game. <laughs> you know, so so it, it, it is the power of uh, culture, you know. And I get it. To be honest with you, I get it. I understand it. Just that as a society, we need to begin to, you know, embrace other options, you know, uh-huh. safer options, especially for our children. Whenever anybody goes down and gets hurt, I pray for them immediately on the field. I don't care what team it is. No, no, I think it works. Okay, in Luke, in the Gospel of Luke, remember after Jesus was fasting for 40 days, and then Mm -hmm. after 40 days he was hungry and tired, the devil tempted him, and one of the temptations was for him to jump down so that the angels would catch him before he fell. Mm -hmm. And he said, I shall not put the Lord thy God to the test. Right. If you know that something is harmful, why would you go and do that thing that is harmful and then you pray that God heals you? You're putting God to the test. He has mm-hmm. given you the free will, wisdom, and knowledge to know that that thing is harmful. So why are you going to do it to test to see if God will heal you? 
Because God helps those who help themselves. You have to do your part, too. Not just God doing his part. If you don't Thank do you. your part, how's God going to do his part? It doesn't work. Thank you. And like Hippocrates said 400 years before Christ was born, Hippocrates, the father of medicine, said, in whatever you do, please, first do no harm. Right, the Hippocratic Oath. Yes, first do no harm. No matter what you do, do not cause any harm. Which today I think we are practicing a lot of the hypocritic oath and not the hip- <laughs> I, I love you. <laughs> and I see it all the time and it makes me crazy. <laughs> Hypocritical oath. <laughs> in fact, I understand that in some schools don't even take the Hippocratic Oath anymore. I can't believe it. <laughs> Dr. Dan, I think you hit a home run. <laughs> that is so true. That is, that is so true. You know, in fact, in the past two or three years, I've traveled around, around the country a whole lot. So what I'm doing now, I'm writing a small pamphlet, a very small pamphlet, at the level of a fourth grade elementary school kid. You know, about 40, 50 pages. In fact, maybe it will even come down to like 20, 30 pages. Uh, I'm trying to explain these facts in the simplest language possible so that the, the parent in rural Alabama or in rural Kentucky can pick up this book and read it. Because mm-hmm. knowledge is power. And I tell people, please stop blaming the NFL. Leave the NFL alone. The NFL is a corporation. The NFL should make money. It is a good thing. This is a capitalist economy. America is the land of the free. You have every freedom, liberty, and free will in America to do what you want to do. So it is within your power to decide whether to play football or not, whether your child should play or not. It is within who you are as an American. Leave the NFL alone, because I think we, we feel better to blame some other person. The NFL is a corporation. What do corporations do? They sell products to make money. And they make big money. Uh-huh. The NFL is not in business to provide health care or health, health information or health education to the consumer. They are not in business for that. The NFL is not in business to treat players, to treat players for brain damage. They are not in business to treat players. They are not in business to provide health care to players. So when I meet players and they're you know, very upset with the NFL, I'm like, oh, you know what, I'm so sorry. I don't think the NFL has done anything to you. Did they point a gun at your head and ask you to play? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. If they offered me $100 million, like they just did to John Gruden to be a coach for 10 years, it would be pretty hard to turn down. <laughs> well, for- uh, some, some players are beginning to get it now that there is no amount of money that is worth your life. That's right. Uh, my middle name is Ifa Kandu. It's African. It means life is the greatest and the most expensive gift of all. 
Mm-hmm. And so you give me $2 billion today to play football, I'll turn it down. Life is not about money. I would rather want to hold my daughter and walk her down the aisle when I'm 60 and kiss her and wish her well than mm-hmm. be bedridden in some nursing home suffering from dementia. So it's a, it's, it's a decision, it's a choice each and every one of us has to make. And as Dr. Christians, Mara, money, money, money shouldn't be the fundamental factor in our lives. Love should be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Dr. Malo, I, I don't want to take up more of your time. Uh, I w- will tell you, my father never played football. He's 101 years old, has 20-30 vision without glasses, and uh, I am so blessed to have him. Uh, Wonderful. Wonderful. It's great. But before we conclude, though, can you, do, you, do, you have, do you have anything you want to tell us about your pre-death uh, oh, diagnosis? Oh. Uh, with the tau protein, is that is yeah, that something yeah. that you feel really good about uh, to try yeah. and diagnose this before death? Yeah, everybody agrees. Well, to 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 emphasize, brain damage can be diagnosed before death with a presumptive degree of certainty, what we call presumptive diagnosis. So, if you're having symptoms, you should go see a neurologist or a psychiatrist. Who knows how to diagnose these diseases? I know people now who have been diagnosed with CTE, and they are alive, they are living. So presumptive diagnosis could be made, and there are drugs that could be giving you, and other things, even some people have said that smoking marijuana helps them, you know, to control your symptoms, okay, but not to cure your disease. So you should go see a doctor, diagnosis could be made, but definitive diagnosis, meaning 100% certainty, is only after death, just like other dementias, like Alzheimer's disease, okay? Everybody agrees that the definitive diagnosis, while you're still alive, has to be radiological. Biomarkers could help in excluding and including other diseases in differential diagnosis, but would they be definitive? Less likely, okay? So while working with other doctors, there was a biomarker called FDDNP that was discovered in the 1990s at UCLA. So we've been working with that radio ligand. It's a PET scan marker over the years. Well, nobody has given us money. So the four, five, six of us, doctors and lawyers, we've been using our own funds to move the research forward. So for the first time last year, one of the players we scanned with this um, FDDNP died, and we did a postmortem correlative analysis which matched, it was positive. So we've approached the FDA, and the FDA has guided us and has advised us on what to do, which would be a clinical phase three trial. So what is keeping us now from doing that and bringing the product into the market in two to three years is about four or five million dollars. That is the amount of money we need. Um, we've not been able to raise it. 
We're working hard to see who will be kind enough. If Bill Gates Foundation is listening, that would be wonderful, or any other foundation, uh, to help us out well, to why develop this product. don't you just hold it right there, Dr. Mellon. Tell, tell, tell our listener, we may have a listener out there that may want to donate that. Uh, where, where, how would they do it? If they want to donate, they should send me an email at bennettomalu at bennettomalu.com. Okay, my I'll name put Bennett that on my Omalu. Facebook page. I'll put yeah, that on my Facebook page. A-M-O-M-A-L-U. Yeah, Bennett, B-E-N-N-E-T-O-M-A-L-U. No space, no dot, bennettomalu at bennettomalu.com. Send me an email. You wouldn't give me the money, <laughs> but you'll give it to our organization. Somebody will reach out to you. And I guarantee you, from what we have seen so far, if we raise this money, we should have this product in the market in, in less than five years. And it's not just for athletes. It's also for the military. Mm. There is a paper of ours because we've seen CTE in military veterans, the so-called many of the military veterans who have been diagnosed with PTSD actually have CTE, okay? Um, okay. Many of them. There are still some who have psychological PTSD. But many of these other uh, soldiers that have been exposed to repeated ordinances, repeated explosions, and repeated acceleration, decelerations, injuries of the brain actually have CTE. A paper of ours should be coming out soon, this, the blast variant of CTE. So it's not just for athletes, it's also for the military. And um, I, I hope, I pray, honestly, it's my prayer that some kind person, we are not asking for $50 million, we are asking for $5 million. There are so many people out there who can easily afford that. Uh, my my life speaks for itself. I have a track record. I have I've, I've delivered in every dimension of it. So I promise, like I said to Sanjay Gupta, that if we raise this money, I promise we would deliver. Because until we can identify this disease, quantify it, and monitor it in the brain of a living person, we cannot develop a cure. Does that make sense? It does. That, that's why yeah. I wanted you to mention that today. Yeah. Thank you so because much. Because I always taught my medical students that if you know the cause, you could you could look up the cure, but the the hard part is to find the cause, find the splinter, yes. and then you can remove it. Yes. Because once what we now know what the pathology is, so we have to identify the pathology, quantify it, and monitor it in a living person. So when we give you a specific drug, we can monitor the changes in your brain over time. And the only way we can do it is if we can develop the PET scan now. And then once we have that in the market, the next level is Q. I okay. believe that. Yeah. Well, I, I think that that's, I mean, that's the way it has to go. Uh, yeah. Because uh, I think, uh, as you know, football is not going to go away, so we need to protect the young and yes. uh, de identify uh, the, the the disease so we maybe can develop that cure. Yes, I, I totally agree. I totally agree. Well, Dr. Dan, we have been blessed today to have Dr. Amalo. I, I, I am so humbled, I can't tell you, uh, you know, a, a family practitioner from uh, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, 
that has a, a man of this caliber and uh, on on a podcast. Uh, it's just very humbling, Dr. Amalo, and oh, I do want to thank, thank you. <laughs> I'm I'm honored. I, I just just to speak with you, Dr. Amalo, is just amazing. Oh, and I advise you. everybody, everybody, this movie is amazing. Everybody, please see this movie, read the book, and your books. You have two books. Read them. It is important. It's more important than they'll ever know. Protect yeah. your family, your children, and your grandchildren, and great-grandchildren, because we're getting that old now that we have those two. <laughs> so <laughs> the idea is you are doing a wonderful thing. Don't stop. Thank you. Thank you. And if I, if I might share with everybody out there, see, faith. You know, by faith, if you seek the spirit in you, manifest that spirit. Recognize the same spirit in others. Celebrate yourself. By faith, the impossible will become possible. I guarantee you that. Don't be ashamed of your faith. It's a good thing. <laughs> it's, a, it, it's amazing that you mention faith because... Uh, a friend of ours took us out last Friday and gave us some Christmas presents, and one of them was a sculptured um, um, faith, F-A-I-T-H, from yeah. Lennox. Yeah. It's amazing, yeah. and we have it right in our dining room. Yes, yes. Uh, and faith, faith is up, uh, important to have. Yes, yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. It it makes your life so much easier. Yes. <laughs> Don't forget Malo to pray. Again. God bless you. Thank you. Continue yes. to, to be the warrior, and we'll support you in any way we can. And yes. I would like to uh, uh, touch base with you again, maybe in six months, and uh, see if yes. you got that five million. And uh, yes. and, and uh, just, just, you're just a pleasure to, to speak with. So thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> God bless you guys. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Bless you. Uh, All right. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye. Dr. Dan, was that incredible or what? That was an incredible show. Unbelievable. It's the best ever. Are we, are we still mean, on the radio? Yeah, we're still on. I didn't end the episode yet. I just wanted to... I, I really have okay. no closing No closing except you know, what Dr. Mallow said. Keep the faith. Really protect your children. And it, as he said, the black race is really under assault with these head injuries. Hey. Please, please take that as science, not as racist or anything. It, it, it's the science is there. The numbers are there. Uh, it just was a fantastic interview with Dr. Bennett Amalu, who has really oh. devoted his life and career, in spite of criticism, to, to, to uh, what you just heard. What, what, what an honor to, to, to speak with him. And uh, I, I would hope that... Uh, if somebody listening to this would put him on some of these national television programs like Dr. Oz and some of these other ones, Dr. Becker and all these other ones that are on television, and maybe he can get this word out even better than ever. And yeah, he can get that, that money. It would seem that $5 million would be something that uh, Bill Gates or Jeff Bezos uh, could just uh, take out of their pocket and... and and do good for humanity. It's exactly what I was what I was thinking. But would they do it for something like this? I would hope so. 
Well, they both have charitable foundations. Warren Buffett has it. They spend billions on vaccines. Why not five million for a test to that that could help someone? They're giving so much else out. This would be a, this would be like a drop in a bucket to them. Exactly. A spit in the ocean. So, but this Dr. was a fantastic Dan, program, Doctor Ron. I want to thank Frank. Frank had to leave, but uh, thank him for being here today. Of course, thank you to Dr. Amalu. Uh, for taking the time out of his busy schedule, and uh, we're going to pray that he gets his money. And, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, uh, we will be back. This this episode is uh, will be recorded and played on the 16th, and then on the 23rd we will be back with another live episode of Dr. Ron Unfiltered, Uncensored. Everybody, thank you so much. Dr. Dan, thank you, and we will uh, talk later. God bless you, and ciao, arrivederci. Thank you, Dr. Ron. Dr. Ron and Dr. Ron have left the building. This is New York firefighter Raphael Poirier for Firehouse Subs. Every day, a part of every sub you buy at Firehouse Subs helps provide life-saving equipment for first responders. And now, for a limited time, they're introducing the Daily Sub Special. Every day, get a medium sub of the day for just $5.55. They kick it off with Meatball Monday and finish it off with Italian Sunday with something delicious every day in between for just $5.55. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Tap the banner now to learn more. This is New York firefighter Raphael Poirier for Firehouse Subs. Every day, a part of every sub you buy at Firehouse Subs helps provide life-saving equipment for first responders. And now, for a limited time, they're introducing the Daily Sub Special. Every day, get a medium sub of the day for just $5.55. They kick it off with Meatball Monday and finish it off with Italian Sunday with something delicious every day in between for just $5.55. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Tap the banner now to learn more.